listening to the Retro Guardians. Okay, now what? Buckle up. you ever bought or rented a videotape that wasn't quite right? <laughs> Groovy. Little Hands says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. Hasta la vista, baby. Retro Guardians. Hi, welcome to another episode of Retro Guardians. I'm Jay. And I'm Ben. And Ben, today we're talking about a 1986 horror slasher. Um, I know we do lots of horror on this show. It's our favourite genre. And we keep coming back to it. This movie, I... can't help ourselves, eh? No, I know. I know. I I think I first heard about this movie when I watched the um, doco that you gave me. Um, What was that one called again? With all the horrors Search in it? Search of Darkness? Yeah, that's the one. In Search of Darkness. Um, I, I saw this mentioned in that. And I had a look at it and I watched it probably about 18 months ago and I just watched it again today um, after I bought it on VHS. So this movie is Slaughter High from 1986. Uh, You heard of it, Ben? I have heard of it. Now, the Mm. thing I quickly got to go into quickly, when Friday the 13th became an immediate success, every studio, independent studio out there wanted to produce something small and they could sell to a major studio and then make a fortune off it. Mm. So I know for a fact, after the initial release in 1980, it was something like over 200 movie plus were made of this kind of genre that was set to do with either a famous holiday or a situation involving a school with a slasher killer. Mm. And I know this one fits into that sort of um, category. Mm. No, there were so many made, Jay. I can't oh, keep heaps. up with all of them. And I mean heaps. it, I can't keep up with them. But this title, I do remember. Now, I haven't seen it since the late 90s. That's yep. how long it's been since I've seen it. I am very rusty. Mm-hmm. So if, in this case, I'm going to follow your lead and you can just lead me on and let's hear a bit of your thoughts on the movie and what you liked about it. Well, I think we need to unlock your core memories of this movie. So let's have a listen to the trailer. All right. Marty Ranson was the dork of Doddsville High. You get undressed in there. His classmates laughed at him. Are you ready? Here's Marty. Where's the beast? They tormented him. Where's the beast? And then they went too far. Now, five years later, Marty's throwing a little party. A class reunion. Come on, you guys, let's party. They say he still roams the nuthouse, ever hopeful of that chance to escape, so he can take his evil revenge out on us all. And he's making sure everyone has the time of their life. I feel sick. He's created a romantic atmosphere for rekindling old flames. A nice place to just hang around. Marty hasn't forgotten a thing. He's giving them a blast from the past they'll never forget. Marty Ranson is still a dork, but tonight he's getting even. Bestron Pictures presents Slaughter High. Yeah, there we go. 
Florida High. So, in the plot, does that bring back memories for you, Ben? I yeah, I definitely saw it in the late in the mm. late nineties. I do remember that much. Yeah. Um, what I do know for a fact, this film was not made in America. It was actually made in England. Mm. They actually made it under the title uh, April Fool's Day, and when it was sold oh, to yeah. Paramount. Paramount had to inform them we already have a movie of that oh, of title course. and a slasher. Yep. So it was renamed Slaughter High after that. Yeah, yeah. Now, what I can tell you, it uh, Caroline Monroe as Carol Manning. Mm-hmm. Caroline was uh, very famous in the 70s. A lot of films, including uh, one we'd actually done a review of. Mm-hmm. She played uh, Vincent Price's late wife in the original Dr. Fibes. Yeah, okay. And um, a part of the deal to get this movie made, I think she was romantically connected to one of the directors. Mm. I know she's connected somehow. And it was a production deal as well to get it made that she had to be involved in something. So they literally um, filmed the whole film in England and then sold it to Paramount. And then they, they re-released it. Very much similar to how they did Friday the 13th. But the problem was it had been seven years since Friday the 13th. So the sort of slasher sort of boom was slowly winding down. Yeah. And I don't know how well it did financially, but I do know it's a basic plot, revenge plot. Very simple, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's very similar to movies like Terror Train as well, that someone has a practical joke played on them and it it ends as a result in a traumatic event for that character who wants revenge. Yeah. So basically, as the trailer suggested, Marty, the school dork, and I like how they use that word in the 80s, as like something negative, whereas now it's cool. Um, yeah, they basically just play a joke on him. You know, they get the girl and they get him naked, thinking he's going to get lucky, and in the end they flush his head down a toilet. So he sort of picked on, and then April Fool's Day comes around, they um, stuff around with his science project and put something in one of the... Um, uh, you know, beakers. And in the end, it's caused a fire and some acid fell and um, burnt his it's face, deformed. disfigured yeah, him. It's deformed, yep. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And then the next thing you know is they're back there five or... It says ten years later um, in various sources, but the trailer said the trailer five. says five. Yeah. So yes. who knows? Um, so they go back to the school, which is now an abandoned and desolate place, and basically he's there getting his revenge, and he's dressed up in this jester outfit. And with, with, a, with a funny mask. Yeah, right? a freaky mask. Yes. You know? Yeah, I remember that, yes. Um, like an old man mask. And it was the same one one that um, Skip, one of the pranksters, used in that shower scene at the start. So he's just picking them off one by one. And it's, um, like I said, there's no plot, really. It's just guy gets bullied, guy gets revenge, kills people, you know? Like, yes. don't you don't do. need a plot with these things. No, no, no. The one thing I can say on the, with the trailer, I mean, it definitely was more 80s music in oh, there yeah. in terms of with the theme than it was, say, with the original Friday. Yes. I mean... The 80s was sort of starting as they did that film. Yep. This is right in the middle of the 80s, so yep. very much aware and self-aware of, okay, we need to reflect the time period. Yeah. So what do you remember the most about this film, if I can ask, Joe? Well, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about the deaths. Um, there's probably about five or six ways that he's picked off his bullies. Um, and yeah, they're fairly typical for the, the um, era, but each death is different. So the first one, he fills a beer with acid 
and his Ooh. old mate drinks it, causing his stomach to explode and his guts come out everywhere. I think I remember that one, yes. Yeah, yeah I remember the guts. But he seems to be sort of using acid a few times because that's what was sort of, you know, part of his disfigurement. So the other one, um, one of the girls was taking a bath and he's filled it up with acid. So she's got in and she's melted it back down to her bones. So pretty Ooh. painful death. Um, there was another one where Carl, one of the guys, was impaled while trying to escape in a car. Um Susan, one of the girls, didn't actually show her death. That was an off-screen kill. And another guy gets eviscerated by some tractor blades. So all his guts and bowels were pulled out. That's fairly common of the era, I think. Um, And there's three more. So another one. uh, Two of them are killed on a bed where he's hooked the bed up to oh, I do remember yeah, that electricity. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yes. they were going for it and uh, zap, zap, then fried. Um, now, I seem to remember Skip. Yeah, I think he was the bad guy. The main one. Yeah, he was hanged by a noose, but apparently he escapes. Yeah, and then uh, and then what happens? See, he the, the, that was in the trailer. Um He's hanging by the noose, he gets away, and then the jester and him are having a bit of a, um, like a pursuit through the school, and then one of the girls goes to throw an axe and accidentally puts it through Skip's head instead of the jester. Mm, that um, sounds familiar. Yeah, and then he kills someone else with a javelin. Like, I do remember just, the javelin. Yeah. I do remember that. It was an item that was there. Yep. Um, very similar to graduation day very yeah, reflective yeah. of high school it is that was sort of what what things were around the high school sort of like f- with friday whatever implements jason could get his hands on yeah. were pretty much used same thing and it's sort and of that always worked to, like you think back to people that were bullied in school and this is sort Case of point. their dream Case isn't point. it like they go home and they're like oh i want to kill these bullies you know like um they're sick dreams you, i should say you, yeah, but you're projecting. You're projecting. Yeah. You're projecting. You're living vicariously through a character who's getting the revenge, whatever yeah. you want to use, Correct. whatever term. Yeah. And whether uh, intentionally good or bad or sick yeah. or whatever, you, bullied people can relate to it. Yes. And yeah. I think that was something very much of the, of the 80s that I haven't voiced enough of, consequences, Jay. Oh, there were that no consequences. Certain horror films, especially in the 80s, or about consequences. Mm. You do something to someone you think it's funny, there's hell to pay. Yeah. It could be a year later, it could be 10 years later, but mm. sooner or later, you know, what goes around comes around. And, and I, I think, think that reflects that period yeah. a lot. And we've said this many times on our show, is this sort of movie couldn't be made in 2023. No, no, no way in hell. No, no way. Um, it, it would just be far, far more watered down. Um, and barely, barely like $200,000. So I know this movie was made for over, I think, $2 million. Jay. Yeah, two. Yeah. Yeah, it'd barely be 200000 now. Mm. Barely. Yeah. I mean, you could probably do it for 100000 on video, pretty yeah. much. That's uh, the problem now with that, yes. And, and they did market it as from the makers of Friday the 13th. But you and I had a chat about this, and we couldn't actually find any real link to Friday the 13th, could we? Just Paramount Pictures. Just Paramount, yeah. So, so I think that was the only way for them to market it. Mm. Um, I didn't see any of the Georgetown Productions who produced the original Friday series like up until five and six. Mm. So I can't see names on there that I can go, yeah, they were involved in Friday, Jay. 
No, mm. I can't see any of them. Mm. So I think it might have been just behind the scenes Paramount people, to be honest. Yeah. And Vestron was the other company behind it. They were formed in 1986, so they obviously didn't have anything to do with Friday, did they? Now, what I do know, um, you've asked me this once before and mm. I can answer it. There was a tax incentive in Canada at the time to get a mm. movies made in Canada. And yes. then I heard that in the case of, say, the police academies, they were made there. And then by the early 2000s, they were trying to get it back around the other way to get movies made back in America because yep. it did too good a job. And so many movies are made in Canada to save, save money. But it was a tax incentive. Mm. for that reason and that's the reason why right now you've got a lot of bigger movies making movies in georgia like the marvel movies are all made down there now because they get a big in tax incentive to do yep. it mm. so i mean you've got to get your pros and cons out of production wherever you can so mm. i understand that sense of it but i do think sometimes it like i said it was that period where horror movies were making money i don't think as much by the end of the 80s i think the early 80s was the high point of that period yeah. And these little independent movies were making these movies for barely $2 million, you know, like Silent Night, Deadly Night, like Graduation Day, like Prom Night, and managing to sell them to a major studio that could make over $20 million off it. I mean, that was a, that was a big profit at the time. Mm. But they all wanted that Halloween Friday the 13th money, mm. which no one was expecting those movies to make. And that's why, the, to this day... All, all of them, you asked them, you expecting this to be a big hit? And they said, no, we were just trying to make a movie. Yeah. You never hear any of them say that. They, but the later films like this and such, I think they were setting out to make money more than just make a movie. So, I mean, good and bad things. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to throw stones. But I definitely think this is a film of a reflection of its period, hands yeah. down. Yeah. And I, I think you agree with me on that one. Yeah. Um, I have to mention, if I haven't mentioned her already enough, but... Uh, Carolyn Moreau was in uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, Jay. Mm. She was one of the main villains. Um, Kirk Grobes, uh, uh, the main bad guy's uh, henchwomen. I think she was flying their, their helicopter yeah, okay. in one scene. Yep. And um, she was one of those stunners of that period. I know she made a lot of horror films in the 80s, and I know she's still with us. Mm. And the funny part is she's not against talking about them you know yeah. some people oh i shouldn't have done that period of my life i was desperate for money blah blah she's like no i did horror films mm. so i mean there's one side of people that deny it happened another other side that absolutely embraces it yeah and she seems to be one of the ones that embraces it i do know yeah number in the 80s uh, when we have a chance i might go into it on another episode with you about a few others but she was gorgeous i do oh, remember yeah. her and she was absolute gorgeous of that period and mm. uh, i think she even did a very few early hammer films in the early 70s including dracula ad yep um which was the last one that christopher lee did as dracula and even a handful of others of that period. So, yeah, I mean, this lady had, had been around, and um, I do know she was working up in, into the 90s and even recently came back and did a few films. So I know mm. she's still around. Yeah. So, so another thing I wanted to talk about this film, it's a bit of a twist at the end. And so if, if you're not into a spoiler, uh, uh, maybe turn just... Out. Tune out right now, now if you're not wanting yeah. to hear this. Spoiler alert. But so at the end, he wakes up in a hospital with bandages on his face. Um, the nurse comes in, hits the alarm, and the doctor comes in. And the, the nurse turns around to the doctor, but it's actually Marty, the dork, 
right? He has killed the nurse and put her in the bed. He grabs a syringe and stabs it in the doctor's eye and kills him. So it insinuates that that's him recovering from his initial chemical burns. And so everything it was all a um, hallucination. Ah, absolutely. So it well, didn't actually say that, but it gives you the... Implies. Implies that the whole movie you just watched was nothing but a figment of his imagination, um, which is interesting. So, and then, other thing I just wanted to touch on is the guy who played Marty, the dork, is um, Simon Scudamore. He died... I know something bad happened to yeah, him. Yeah, it's, it's a sad yeah. story. He died on um, in November 1984, just after um, production had finished. He was 28 years old, and he took a, um, a what it was an apparent suicide by drug overdose, which is really sad. So he was obviously quite troubled during the filming. That's not a, mm. never a good thing to talk about. It's never no. a good thing to have happen, regardless of the person. Yeah. And... Yep. Um, I think the film got delayed because they were trying to market it. I think, yeah. like I said, it was originally called April Fools. Mm. And then when Paramount bought it, they said, well, we have to change the title because it took a longer time to release. Yeah. I do know yeah. it took a lot longer to release. 86 than it came out. Yeah, because those movies, Jay, they barely six-month yep. editing, barely yep. six months, and then they had to get them out so fast. Mm. Yep. I do remember that period of that for that reason. Yeah, and look, it did okay. I mean, I, we don't know how much it made all up at the box office. In its first week, it made something like $90,000 on 38 screens. So had a very limited release um, in the cinemas. But I'm betting it was more a success on video. Yeah, and you and I, I think I so. you know that, that yeah. certain films did way better on video than they did at the cinema. And to this day, I still get asked by people, did you ever see that at the cinema? I said, I don't think anyone saw that at the cinema. No, I think no. everyone saw that on video. They wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't have seen it. It's it was interesting video that video. one of the um, critics, Kevin Thomas from LA Times, says, in its primitive way, Slaughter High is one of the better teen revenge horror pictures. So, um, look, it, it has some good moments, um, but having said that, it's got no plot. It's just basic as. Um, and you look at the acting, and it is very, very very basic primitive acting it's nothing spectacular it feels when i was watching it i was getting the vibe this is a homemade movie you know like something yes. we could whip together um yep. i didn't feel like it had that quality um it had three it. directors too jay well, that's not ever a good sign think, either no, i know you, you're not a fan of um, too many cooks spoiling the broth so to speak yes i am but yeah. um like I said, it sounds like it was a group of people who got some money together to make a movie to sell it to a bigger studio. Mm. And it was that right period that you could have done that. Three years later, it wouldn't have worked. Nah, so nah. the fact it was the mid-80s, that's the thing that saved oh, it for that reason. 80s was just slasher horror uh, extraordinaires. Like, there was no other time period that could ever pull this if off again. If you had a killer with a mask and a weapon, <laughs> you could sell a movie. In the 80s, yep. Jeez, oh, I love the 80s. But, yeah, yeah. I, know. I literally was talking to someone uh, in America yep. about an Australian one that I had not been able to find the name of for years, and in five minutes they found it, mm. the name of it. I checked Google, I checked I all of them. I think you've told me about went, this. Yeah, and I, I think I hope to do this one in a, in okay. a show at some cool. point. Cool, we'll keep an eye out. Yeah, it's an Australian one, which I think I know where to look for it now. Mm. I got the title. But the fact is that period, not just in America, here in Australia as well, 
if you had something with a horror sort of vibe, supernatural vibe, you can get a movie made. Yeah. End of story. Oh, yeah. But by 1990, 91, that, that era was over. Mm. It was really by that period that was the end of those eras. Yeah. And then sort of disappeared for a while, came back back in the early 2000s, post 9-11. Mm-hmm. All the horror films of that period really reflect that period. Uh, you and I watched several of them at the cinema. Yep. And I do think horror is the genre that doesn't die. <laughs> We now live in the streaming era where they need new product regularly, mm-hmm. so they're happy to buy you know something of a, of a horror extent, wherever it's a decent cast crew, whatever doesn't matter. Every now and again, like one out of ten nowadays, I'm happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no more original horror films. There's usually reboots or remakes, as we've yeah. talked about as well. And occasionally you'll get something you'll go, that was actually all right. Yeah. Um, I'm particularly happy with the Blue Mouse Atomic Monster kind of pictures. I, they're the p- people responsible for. Uh, the the paranoid activity movies the the purge movies the new halloween movies in the case of the atomic monster conjurings and movies like that you and i are big fans of those ones so mm. you know it's it's hit and miss and horror always will be hit and miss there's no denying that yeah but as the, the genre that you have said before that we're always happy to come back to and talk about there's a reason we're always happy to come mm. and talk about it so, is the underdog genre. I stand by that. I don't think it is, is as much nowadays. Mm-hmm. I think horror is a lot more wider. I do think it's a lot more commercial than it was, say, back even in the oh, 90s yeah. when we were younger. Yep. But for a long time, speaking of the plot of this film, so-called plot, I do think it speaks to the unsung underdog kind mm-hmm. of mentality group. Yep. And I do think you and I fit into that group, <laughs> um, whether we want to or not. I think everybody so can. that's why I think it appeal, appeals to us on that level. Yep. So what else did you like about this? Uh, look, I think it's... What I liked about it was the fact it was simple. You know, like for a, a change, instead of having a difficult plot to follow, it's just killing, gore, like blood and guts. You don't need to follow any complex story. It's just an easy watch. You could put it on and do something else what, on your phone or computer while you're watching it and not miss Working anything. On a laptop. Yeah. Yeah, so I enjoyed the simple aspect of it. Um, and in what terms of a score, I, look, I think I'm going to give it a a five out of ten. And not saying it's bad; it's um, it's just simple. Average. Yeah, it's nothing special. Yeah, but I haven't seen it enough to be really be no, critical no, on it. So I'm going to not uh, waver my um, my <laughs> opinion on this just yet. Mm. I'll probably get to it later in another episode mm. and come back to it. Yep. But um, if you're happy with it, I have no doubt there's someone out there listening who would be willing to check this out on your recommendation and go, you know what, I'm willing to see what it's like. Yeah, if you haven't seen it and you've got time, why not? Got nothing to lose. And you like the theme you said that you were saying. The music? Yes. Yeah, music's cool. Music's good. 80s, 80s-esque. That's all you need to mm. make a good, successful, entertaining um, movie along those lines at that time period. It really fits all those boundaries. Mm. Well, I think, Jay, this week we've covered everything we need to we cover, have. don't you? Yep, perfect. Well, thanks very much for listening, everybody. And I hope you're enjoying listening to us, and we're happy to keep talking to you. Mm. I'm Ben. I'm Jay. We'll see you again soon. Bye. Bye. Retro Guardians.